This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today, and we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. This episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast is brought to you by the Creative Writing Community. I started the creative writing community for writers of all levels. Ultimately, writing is something we do up in our office, all alone with our computers or paper and pen. So what could a writing community do for a writer, you might ask? The answer is a lot. In the creative writing community, we sprint several times a week, which is how I'm getting upwards to 30,000 words a month while traveling and having three kids at home. We also gather together to brainstorm problem areas in our stories or in our marketing, as well as share what we've learned. And we have master classes where experts come in and talk to us about what they know about the publishing and writing industry. And that happens one to sometimes twice a month. We also have the private Slack community where we can share articles and tidbits about our novels and really become friends who are interested in seeing everyone do well in their writing and their publishing career. Writing doesn't have to be a lonely job. If you're looking for a writing community, I invite you to try us out. Head on over to catcaldwell.com and click on creative writing community, or you can head straight on over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing community. And just a heads up, admissions closing in October. We really want to gather together and be a community and be bonded together. And for that, we're just going to have to close the community for a couple months at a time. So if you want a community through the winter to help you get writing and possibly finish that book, or maybe two, head on over and sign up. If you have questions, shoot me a question. I am completely open and available to any questions you might have. We will close in October and we won't open again until April. So I highly encourage you to check us out. Hello and welcome to an episode of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. It is September 20th, 2021. We are on episode number 99. 99. Two years into the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. I'm very excited for this. You have me, Kat Caldwell, as your hostess today, and I do not have a guest today because I wanted to do something a little different, uh, a little fun, I think. I will be back next week with a guest for the 100th episode, but as some of you know, in about a month's time, I will be having my third novel come out called Coffee Stains. It is a contemporary women's novel set in the Midwest on a university campus. Anna is in a bit of trouble because she has taken the identity of a girl who is no longer on this earth in order to use her scholarship to get into the university because she feels like too much time has gone by and it's about time she get her studies done. She thinks she deserves to use this scholarship because Lord knows she wants to get her degree. She wants to move on with her life. She wants a future. And you know what? She just sees the opportunity and she takes it. 
So that is the premise of the novel. It is called Coffee Stains, and I have put up the ebook on KDP for pre-order, and I will be putting it up on Kobo and Barnes and Noble for pre-order ebook as well. And I will let you know when I get the print pre-order, but I need the full cover done before that. Right now, the cover that is up on KDP is just a temporary hold. It will change. So today, it's going to be a little bit shorter, but I wanted to do something fun. Like I said, I am going to read to you chapter one of Coffee Stains. Please keep in mind, I am not a voice actor, but I think that I can figure it out. So chapter one of Coffee Stains. In the pitch black of an early December morning, a buzzing dragged Anna away from her dreamless sleep. It seemed an injustice to need to wake up so early. Slowly, Anna turned to her right before sitting up. After a year of living in the attic room at her brother's house, she knew she had to move cautiously if she didn't wish to bump her head on the steep pitch her bed sat directly under. While she sometimes referred to her bedroom as Cinderella's room, she was grateful her brother and Elena had created a space for her to stay. At first, it had been temporary, but it was shaping up to be longer than she had expected. Her phone alarm buzzed again like an impatient mother yelling that it was time for school. Vamos, Ana, levántate. With no light yet coming through the window and the phone probably buried under a pillow or book or clothes, Anna had no choice but to wake up. Where are you, damn phone? She muttered as she wiggled her hands near the sound, patting down gently until her fingers hit something hard. Walking to the light switch might have been easier, but it required getting out of bed. Aha, there you are. Please turn off. The blazing blue light of the screen hit her pupils with force, and suddenly her blankets weren't enough to keep her warm. Her blood turned icy at the notification from a newsletter she'd long forgotten about. Had she more self-will and perhaps more compassion for herself, she would have deleted it without bothering to open it. But clicking on the blue tinge box came as a reflex. Immediately, glossy pictures and emotionally gripped headlines bombarded her eyes. We have your email address from a list that shows you might be interested in this new online magazine. You can make a difference. You can fight the system with us. Dios, there she was. Second picture down. All the efforts to erase any connection between her and the obscure activist group that she and Roberto had put together were obviously no match for the internet. Their group had mostly hovered under the radar, even when they were at their most active, but a few photos slipped by and seemed to always be used for shock value in certain articles. While she had tried her best to rid the internet of any picture with her in it, in the end, she didn't have the rights to the pictures and didn't know who took them. This one taken of her dressed in black, the scarf that had been around her face having slipped down past her mouth as she spewed insults to the people across the room, was used often by reporters both in favor of protests and against protests. It showed up occasionally. Most people didn't know it was her. The scarf still obstructed some of her chin and appeared closer. Her heavy eyeliner also made her look a bit different since she rarely wore any now. The caption held no mention of her name, but that didn't matter either. Not to her. 
Every time she saw it, rage and shame pushed every other emotion aside. Scrolling further down, the third headline of the newsletter drew her in. Roberto stood with his girlfriend that he had run away to Chicago with, now his wife, according to the caption. Together, they were side by side, smiling. Roberto and Nadia are ready and willing to do the work it will take to make Chicago better, was the caption under the photo. Anna snorted, the reaction sending her dry throat into a coughing fit. Yes, certainly. Roberto was always willing to do the work to put himself in a place of power. The second alarm meant to get her butt out of bed if she had dared to sleep in buzz. It was the ultimate warning that she had only 20 minutes to dress and head out if she wanted to arrive to work on time. She cursed herself for wasting time, found where the unsubscribe link was, and pounded on it. But that seemed to have little effect on her mood. On a side, that nagging, prickly sensation telling her she should be further along at 23 covered her skin popping the hairs up in goosebumps. It didn't matter that she worked double shifts or ran herself ragged taking more classes than she should to graduate earlier or that she studied extra for perfect grades. The regret of wasting so many years would rear up regardless, the cruel voice pounding insults at the back of her head. And today was no different. Here she was, heading off to serve coffee to students and professors, while the guy who deserved no good reward in life was running for city council. How pathetic was she? Anna shoved the phone into her backpack and grabbed her work clothes. There was little time to spend pouting about where she wished she was in life. If she was late one more time with Natalie managing, she might lose her job. What are you doing up so early? Anna asked her sister-in-law, Elena, as she entered the kitchen. Elena was sitting at the dining table just to the side of the kitchen, filling out papers. Buenos dias, Anna. I just couldn't sleep. I'm just filling out some paperwork. There's coffee there for you. Anna's nose instinctively scrunched up at the sight of instant coffee. The microwave signaled the end of a warming cycle as Javier walked in. Are we ever going to buy a new coffee maker? Anna asked as he kissed his wife. Ever since she moved in last summer, she felt like a guest in the home she had once called her house. The coffee maker, the same one her parents had bought just weeks before dying in a car accident, had finally given up after five years, but they couldn't decide what to replace it with. I'm fine with the coffee I make, Javier said, shrugging, giving her a smile and a wink as he stirred the dehydrated coffee granules into his hot milk and gave it a loud slurp. Want more tea, mi amor? No, thank you. It'll just make me pee, Elena answered, patting her belly. Coffee? Javier asked Anna, the older brother always needing to tease a reaction out of her. I'll have some real coffee at work. Exactly. That's why we don't need to buy another machine. Do you mind if I go in and straighten up your room today, Anna? Anna looked up from looking for her mittens. All the winter things, once dry, were kept in the large drawer of the enormous dresser they kept the television on. 
she peeked her head around the corner to look at her sister-in-law. It's fairly picked up, but of course, this is your house. Why? Strange look passed between Javier and Lena. Anna looked at the belly on her sister-in-law and wondered if they were hoping to use her room for their little Sophia once the baby was born. They would never kick her out of the house, but she knew she was in the way of their growing family. It was one reason she was trying to graduate as soon as possible and find a job that paid enough for her to rent an apartment. Her credit was too bad at the moment to get anything reasonable. Asking Javier to co-sign seemed not only unfair, but embarrassing. Louise might be coming over later to look at the house, Elena finally said, referring to their landlord. Oh, is he finalizing the papers for you guys to buy it? Anna was already back digging through the winter things and couldn't see her brother, but she could feel the hesitancy. She wished he would just come out and say what she knew he was thinking. Javier had always planned on buying this house and growing his family here. Anna had no intention of imposing on them any more than she had to. Mm, something like that, Javier said finally, as Anna emerged from the drawers triumphantly with two scarves and thick mittens. Well, cool. And, and don't worry, I'll be graduating by next December, if not sooner, and be out of here as soon as possible. You aren't to bother, Elena told her, but Anna knew that wasn't true. She is sometimes, Javier said, giving her a wink. Elena swatted at Javier as she stood and stretched. Are you going to be here over Christmas break? Claro. I'm working quite a few shifts at the coffee shop, but I'll be here. Bes, Javier, I told you she would be here. I thought maybe you'd be going away to the Caribbean or something with your rich boyfriend. Oh, stop it. Between working and studying, I don't have time for almost anything else. Except sleeping at his house. Javier ducked away from Elena, who swatted at him again. How's business? Anna asked pointedly, changing the subject. Good, actually. Much better than last year. Eric Mallard and I formed a business. He does metalwork and I do the wood to create these industrial-looking pieces that people love. We just finished a wine cellar for a restaurant in town. It looks so good. They did a piece on us in the newspaper. De verdad? Javier smirked. Don't read the newspapers much? I left it out on the counter for you to see. Anna looked where her brother was pointing, realizing she had seen the paper, but hadn't bothered to look closer. Anyway, we won a bid to make the entire bar and wine area for another restaurant that's opening in May. Then we're doing a library wall for a house downtown and something for a new boutique down on Ellipse Street. One of those trendy boutique places you would like if you had money. Anna laughed at the friendly jab. How much money did you make for the wine cellar? About 30000 after paying for the material and the other hourly guys. It was a big wine cellar. Each? The idea of that amount of money had her salivating. No, altogether. Still, I wasn't expecting you to say that. And I didn't need a college education to do it either. Javier grinned, his white teeth gleaming. Anna laughed. Javier loved teasing her about not needing to go into debt to be successful, something her father used to say. 
Right. Well, this girl needs an education because she doesn't know how to make beautiful wine cellars. And if you ever want me out of the house, then you shouldn't try to convince me to stop studying. He doesn't mean anything by it, Elena said, rolling her eyes at Javier, who grabbed her around the waist and kissed her noisily. Anna laughed. I know, I know. Bueno, my boy, if I don't leave now, I'll miss the bus. I'll take you. See, you know I'm actually a nice brother. Just let me brush my teeth. Anna nodded at Javier, grateful for the extra minutes to gather her books properly and make sure she didn't leave anything behind. Take a snack, Elena said as they headed to the door. She held out an apple and a large slice of banana bread. You don't eat enough. Anna gave her a quick peck on the cheek and thanks and headed out into the dark, frosty morning with Javier. The sun was barely peeking out of the horizon while Marlon tried to find a way to finish his write-up for his dispute resolution class. One other person in the coffee shop accompanied him, besides the workers behind the counter. Even the music coming from the speakers was slow and tired, encouraging his eyelids to droop. Every morning, he regretted having taken the night court position. Setting his schedule up on paper at the beginning of the school year had been much easier than living it out. Marlon shoved his buddy Adi upright and rubbed his open palms across his cheeks, stopping just short of slapping himself. One hour ago, he felt wide awake as he left work, but now night court was catching up with him. The last drops of his cold cappuccino rolling down his throat helped perk him up a little, but it wasn't enough. When the words on the computer screen started swirling before his eyes, Marlon jumped out of his chair. He needed to move and wake up. He needed to sleep. The enormous clock on the back wall of the coffee shop told him he had less than two hours before class would start. Eyeing the couch shoved in the corner, Marlon thought about asking the girl barista if she would let him lie down for a few minutes, but decided against it. The morning coffee rush hour would start at any minute, which meant even if they allowed him to lie down, he probably wouldn't end up sleeping anyway. Marlon shook his head at the couch, physically resisting its invitation. Anyway, Mama Rue raised him better than to sleep in public. The music changed to some upbeat Colombian tunes. Marlon smiled in appreciation at the barista, who responded with a graceful swaying of her full hips and a wide smile back at him. It was the same young woman who had served him coffee a few days before, Lucinda. He remembered her catching him staring at her name tag. The Latin music filled his senses as he watched her, fully distracted from his paper. A year had passed since he'd walked in on his girlfriend with his roommate in San Diego, evident by the strong reaction his body was having. Though his eyes were dry, he was now fully awake, but still unwilling to finish his project. Maybe it was time to jump back into the dating game. Lucinda smiled brightly at his request for a second muffin and continued to sing while looking at him out of the corner of her eye as she arranged the muffin on a tiered display. Marlon leaned against the glass that protected the baked goods, trying to think of something interesting to say. I like the way you dance sounded too heavy. Good morning sounded too generic. When she turned her attention towards him, he made sure he was smiling. His ex-girlfriend used to describe his smile as sexy, teasing, and mysterious. Her friend said it was an intriguing smile. Alana, his ex, used to compare him to a Greek god with his straight nose, shiny black curls he now had in dreads, and his tawny skin. 
The smile is his secret weapon since the right words never seem to come out. He could drone on and on just like some of his ancient ancestors about law and philosophy, but that did little to keep the attention of girls these days. Hey, Marlon tried not to let his disappointment in himself allow his smile to falter. Thankfully, she smiled back, unruffled by his lame choice of greeting. Good morning, she said. I've seen you in here before, haven't I? Probably yesterday. What's got you out so early? Got a test soon? She asked. You look like you should be home sleeping. Just got off work. He ignored the habit to shift his weight from left to right as he spoke. Got to finish this presentation on paper. Well, then you're going to need another coffee, aren't you? She said with a wink. How about a double shot latte? Sounds like just what I need. She headed towards the espresso machine as the front door opened, ushering in freezing cold air and a pack of black-clad goths. The taller one that banged through the door led the pack, his bloodshot eyes zeroing in on Marlin straight away. You gonna let me order? Marlin swept his arm to the side as he made way for the group. He grew up in this area, which had never been too diverse in ethnicities, but it had been a good place to live. He never had many problems being a kid with a mixture of background, including one of the main tribes in the Midwest, but there was always one or two who had something in for him from the beginning. One guy, Brandon, during his freshman year of high school, had made it his top priority to trip Marlin or make fun of him in front of others every chance he got. Marlin ignored him until one day he punched him in the face outside the bowling alley and then sat and talked to him for about an hour. This group of kids didn't look worth spending that much time with, though. Here you go, Lucinda announced as she pushed the coffee towards Marlin. You're going to service this guy before me? He was here first, moron, was Lucinda's reply as she winked at Marlin. Now I'll serve you. I'm here, Lou. Is Natalie here? Marlon was already backing away, but couldn't help turning at the familiar voice coming from behind the counter. Just in time, Anna. Don't worry. Nat isn't here. She said she's going to be late. Just get in and pretend you aren't half an hour late. The new woman had her brown hair piled up on the top of her head. Wide eyes and a large smile that she flashed at Lucinda before setting to work making espressos. Marlon sat back at his table, but didn't start working again. There was something familiar about the new barista that had him transfixed. He knew her, but he couldn't place where from. More students and professors started piling in through the door, and Marlon had to force himself to concentrate on his paper, which was difficult with the goth kids sitting behind him playing their music. Marlon slipped on his headphones, getting desperate to focus when something warm and wet splashed onto his pant leg. Hey! Marlon jumped out of his seat, finding himself face-to-face with a goth girl, her purple-lined eyes staring at him with contempt. Excuse me, you seem to be in the way, she said. Right. What did you say? This time it was the leader talking from his place at the table behind him. Marlon flexed his fingers, reminding himself that violence wasn't worth the consequences. Before he could back away, the leader gave the girl a nod. The next second found the last bit of her coffee on his notebook.
The group erupted into laughter as they rose from their chairs and marched out, making sure to bump into Marlon on their way. Mama Rue's voice rose up in the back of his mind. It's not worth it, her voice told him. Just stay still and let the little people in this world pass you by. He obeyed the voice, waiting until the door closed behind the group before he moved to find napkins. I am so sorry. What jerks, the girl with the familiar voice said as she rushed over with towels. She handed him one for his pants, then set about mopping up the mess at the table. At least she didn't spill it on your computer. That was not an accident. The young woman looked at him and suddenly Marlon was transported back to his senior year of high school. Anna. She had been one of the few freshmen in math club his senior year. Though it became obvious that she and her two friends were there only for the extra credit points that Mr. Zanker always offered those that joined, Marlon hadn't cared. He had spent hours memorizing the outline of her mouth instead of the math formulas. They lost touch almost immediately after he graduated, as happened with most high school friendships. And now she was here. Anna? Yes? She seemed startled at him knowing her name, but her eyes didn't register any recognition towards him. I'm Marlin from Mr. Zanker's math class. Remember? Coffee dripped from his notebook in her hands as her eyes slowly put Marlin's words together. Damn, you look different. I haven't seen you in... How long? Probably four or five years now. Marlon brushed his hair back with his finger, suddenly aware of the slightly unruly dreadlocks pulled back into a ponytail at the back of his neck. He hadn't bothered to take care of them for over a year now. Anna looked exactly as she did in high school, except for the slightly hardened lines near her eyes. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm at the university and, well, working here. She shifted away from him a bit, then returned to cleaning the table. You studying your master's? Uh, no, I'm still doing my bachelor's. It took me a bit longer to get to the university after my parents died. Right, I heard about that. I tried to contact you, but I only had your house phone and no one answered. I'm sorry about your parents. Anna gathered the coffee-soaked towels as Marlon wiped his pants and mentally kicked himself for always saying the wrong thing. Sorry about that again. I've never seen those kids before, but I'll make sure my manager hears about them. It's fine. No big deal. It is a big deal, Marathon. Their behavior is so gross. Are you done with that? Marlon handed the towel to her, meeting her gaze and remembering the fun they used to have at math club. He remembered thinking her laugh was the most beautiful he had ever heard and spent more time looking for ways to be funny than he did focusing on math. I love to hang out sometime and catch up. I have yet to run into anyone else from high school. Yeah, for sure. We, we should do that sometime. Anna, another woman looking like the manager, was calling her from behind the counter. Marlon saw his class was starting soon, of course, with his paper still unfinished. I gotta go, but yeah, let, let's hang out sometime, okay? Quickly, Anna gathered the towels and hurried back to work, leaving Marlon to gather his coffee-stained papers and head out into the cold alone. 
that is chapter one of Coffee Stains. I hope that you enjoyed it, even though obviously I am not a voice actor. <laughs> I realize how difficult it is to make audiobooks when I'm trying to, you know, come up with different voices and then keep them straight in my head <laughs> as I read this. I am very grateful to all the people who do understand audiobooks as I love listening to them and hope to one day get my books in the audio format. I hope that you enjoyed that first chapter. If this is something that you would like to continue reading, you can find the pre-order link in the show notes. Right now it is up at Amazon for Kindle. As I said before, I'll have it up for Kobo and Barnes and Noble as well. And the print pre-order link will be up very soon. Now, next week is our hundredth episode and we have a great guest. His name is Joe Bunting. I'm really excited to talk to him. He runs a place called therightpractice.com. I can't wait for you guys to hear his story and to talk to him about short story contests and writing novels and running a writing website and all things writing. Until then, have a great week. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the mastermind, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.